Blog Talk Radio. everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday. It is October the 9th, 2020. The elections are looming large on the horizon, and for millions of Americans, well, they've already voted. Um, You can't make this stuff up. I wonder um, how people could vote before all of the debates are completed. Now, I know there are some of us, myself frankly included, who know who we want to vote for. And so the debates won't change those minds. But really and truly, um, you have to understand the issues to see beyond the promises, the lies, uh, the craziness. And, you know, there was a, um, I don't know if he was a comic or a philosopher, but H.L. Mencken very wisely once observed, observed that no one ever lost money underestimating the intelligence of the average American. And and I really wonder how many of our neighbors and friends and co-workers have pet rock collections, those of you old enough to remember that, people who actually shelled out good money for a rock in a box. Uh, But again, uh, you can't make this stuff up. P.T. Barnum said there's a sucker born every minute. And look at Madoff and and, and what he did when he made off with how many people's life savings. Absolute lunacy. Um, So you really have to wonder about the intelligence of most people. And and perhaps for those who don't want to take the time to educate themselves on the issue, I guess they, uh, they get the government that they deserve. But what about the rest of us? Uh, We're living in a very dangerous era. Um, The threats and issues that confront us are coming at us from multiple directions, the COVID virus, China, Iran, Russia, the impending elections, the lunatic left that has hijacked the Democrat Party. You know, full disclosure, I'm a lifelong registered Democrat. These people aren't Democrats. The Democrat Party used to be the party of blue-collar, hard-working Americans, and the Republican Party used to represent the interests of business owners. And sometimes we have shared concerns and sometimes uh, we diverge. And that's fine. That's what the First Amendment is supposed to be about. And today, uh, look at the way that debate and discussion on college campuses have been shut down. Look at what happens if some people put on a red cap with just four letters on it, M-A-G-A, Make America Great Again. It's an invitation to a fist fight. Why? What is wrong with saying, let's make America great again? How much do you have to hate the country to be upset with those words? And to be blunt about it, I don't always agree with Donald Trump. I'm not one of those Trump can't be wrong characters. I have friends who believe that. I have a few friends, I'm convinced, if Donald Trump walked into their house and relieved himself on their dining room table, they'd call it a centerpiece. I'm not one of them. But my gosh. Stop and consider the nonsense being spewed by the radical left, by Nancy Pelosi, by Chuck Schumer, uh, by Schiff. The list is endless. And so 
I wrote an article for Front Page Magazine, and it came out the day after the debate. And I, and I want to talk about the debate, or two days after the debate, between Pence and uh, Kamala Harris. I call the Chameleon Harris. Uh, my article, and I think the title nailed it, Biden's Build Back Better is Bunk. And the subtitle, Dems Plan, Democrats Plan to Import Tens of Millions of Immigrant Children, Prove It. Joe Biden comes out and says, we're going to build back better. You know, Trump did everything wrong with the COVID virus. He didn't act fast enough. He has no plan. He has no plan. He didn't act fast enough. Towards the end of January, if you remember, President Trump was told that there was a pandemic brewing in China. On January 31st, as President of the United States, he had the authority and has the authority under Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, which, by the way, also enumerates the categories of aliens who are inadmissible. I want everyone to read it. I, I always include the link wherever I can in my articles, the front page and elsewhere. Because 1182 makes it abundantly clear that immigration laws have nothing to do with race, religion, or ethnicity, bigotry, xenophobia, none of that. It's about keeping out aliens who have dangerous communicable diseases or aliens who suffer severe mental illness. Let's remember, Ellis Island was a quarantine station, after all. At the time of its completion, it was actually the biggest hospital complex in the entire United States of America. And then it goes down the list. Aliens who are criminals and terrorists and spies and human traffickers and drug smugglers, aliens who are Nazis, aliens who have been previously deported, aliens who committed fraud in their applications for visas, uh, aliens who would likely become a public charge, and then we get to aliens who, if they worked, would displace American workers who were similarly employed and or drive down wages for American workers. What is wrong with that? That's why we have peepholes on the front doors of our houses, isn't it? Some stranger rings the bell, knocks on the door, you look through the peephole, you say, no, this guy doesn't look too good. I'm not going to let him in. He looks kind of shaky. And we say, no, you can't come in. Countries do the same thing. In fact, when I provided a deposition to the law firm that was retained by uh, then-Governor Jan Brewer of Arizona defending her state, over that state bill, SB 1070, the toughest immigration bill that any state had come up with at the time, and she was being sued by the Obama administration's Justice Department, I provided them with a deposition that became part of the legal framework uh, that they used all the way from the, from federal court to the Supreme Court. And while the media didn't report on it, a couple of the issues that I hammered hardest on my deposition were sustained, sustained by the Supreme Court. Everyone, the news media said, oh, no, no, they lost. Well, what was sustained is that police have the right to ask people they encounter in the course of duty about their immigration status because it goes to public safety. It goes to um, identifying who the person is. A cop that gives you a traffic ticket doesn't have to give you a ticket. That ticket, believe it or not, you may not believe this, but it's really seen as a courtesy because under the law you could be arrested for speeding or blowing a red light. So that police officer on that street corner or on the side of the road is really holding a bail hearing. And he or she has to make a determination that if I give this person a summons, which summons them to court at a later date, is it likely they're going to show up? Because if it's not likely they're going to show up, then they should be arrested. You know, Risk of flight, that's the prime issue in, in a uh, bail determination, even in criminal court. Bail determinations are based on risk of flight, and generally danger to the community. So if you're driving recklessly and speeding through a school zone, 
the, pol- the police officer can arrest you or he can give you a ticket. But if you don't have ID to verify who you are or where you live, you couldn't be a greater risk of flight, you see. So the Supreme Court agreed. You wouldn't hear that in the mainstream media. Oh, no, they beat it down. All the, And then there were people complaining, well, now because of the, of, of the ruling, aliens will have to carry proof of alien registration with them. How terrible. That goes back to roughly 1940, the Red Alien Registration Act of 1940, folks. Because the government said, we need to know who you are. Travel to another country, and that country's uh, officials will ask for your passport in some countries when you stay at a hotel. They want to know who's in the country. You're not a citizen. You don't have an inherent right to be here. We want to know who you are, why you're here, and that you don't do harm to us. When you go into a corporate office building, they want to see a license. They want to see some kind of reliable identity documentation. And then they give you a security badge you're supposed to wear because people know you don't belong there. You're a visitor, visitor, and we have visitor visas, by the way, tourist visas are called visitor visas, for the same purpose. You don't belong here. We're allowing you in, but we want to make sure that you don't do harm while you're here. I've gone to many corporate office buildings, and they give you a a pass or or an ID that says, you, you know, you can go to the 21st floor. If you show up on the 18th floor, building security will throw you out of the building. They limit your movement in that building because you don't belong there. You're a visitor. You're there temporarily. We do the same thing with immigration. But if you dare have that kind of a rational conversation with the globalists and the people that they have conned, oh, you're a xenophobe, you're a racist, you're a hater. So when President Trump turned around and said, well, we've got a problem, people coming in from China with a terrible, deadly disease, we're going to stop people from coming here. The media, pardon me, called it a travel ban. It really wasn't a travel ban. It was an entry restriction. And this is one of my criticisms of the president. Nuance of language is not his strong suit. So he started to call it a travel ban. It was never a travel ban. It was an entry restriction. There's a world of difference between those two words and the images that they conjure up. Entry restriction. Period. Not travel ban. <clears throat> We're now witnessing a travel ban in cities that have been locked down because of COVID. But if you remember when the president said we're going to stop people from coming in from China, and then he added Italy and other European countries as the virus spread through Europe, <clears throat> Italy got hammered the worst, if you remember, initially, because they had hired a huge number of Chinese workers for their garment industry. You know, you buy clothing made in in Italy, it's actually made by Chinese people, it seems. <clears throat> Pardon me. So what did we hear from the left? The president is a xenophobe, a racist, a bigot, a hater, fearmonger. What did he do? Stop people from coming in from China. January. As late as March, you had Pelosi and Schumer and, and Mayor de Blasio here in New York, <clears throat> Governor Cuomo going to Chinatown and telling people, go to Chinatown, march in the parade, go to the restaurants, enjoy yourself. This isn't a big deal. This is less serious than the common cold. And if you're not willing to go to Chinatown, guess what? You're a racist, a bigot, a xenophobe, on and on. So now Biden says, well, the president didn't act fast enough. Really? January 31st, the president imposed an entry restriction on people coming from China. 
<clears throat> it took Democrats until March to come to the same kind of conclusions. And, and so think about that. Think about that. And as soon as it happened, he put together the task force, put Vice President Pence in charge of it, started Operation Warp Speed, used the War Powers Act to <clears throat> replenish all the PPE that were depleted by the Obama administration, Obama-Biden administration. No masks, no ventilators, no nothing. And Cuomo came on <clears throat> with his daily television show, The Chris and Andy Show. People are going to die. We need thousands of ventilators. The president said, okay, I'm going to use the War Powers Act and Ford Motor Company and other companies shut down production lines and retooled within a matter of days to make ventilators and did commercials showing it. So it's not like there's no proof it happened. It happened. Then at one point, Cuomo and the people in California took to the airways and said, wow, the president has done an amazing job. Washington has met all of our expectations and exceeded them. They brought the hospital ships to New York and to California, the president did, turned to Javits convention center into the biggest hospital in the united states established more field hospitals funded research to try to make it to come up with a with antiviral drugs which they've done and a vaccine vaccines normally take years uh we're almost there right now no plan no action by the president really you know i don't mind if you want to criticize the president go ahead but it's got to be based on fact not fantasy I really think that if you wanted to file their speeches away in a library somewhere, it belongs in science fiction. Again, I don't always agree with Trump. There are issues that I, I disagree with him on. But you get to criticize him for doing what? Withstanding the, you know, the criticism, he took all those hits, this terrible guy, this bigot, this xenophobe, and he said, you know, jump in the lake. I'm doing what's in the interest of America. Oh, all he cares about is corporate America. Really? Um, he shut down the economy. He shut down the economy. This guy that's the corporatist shut down the economy. But he had no plan, took no action. And then if you remember, and so I, 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 what I wrote about, by the way, in my article, and then I, I want to get to the debate, is that so now you've got Biden coming out saying, we're going to create tens of millions of high-paying jobs for Americans. We're going to do a good job because this president isn't. And by the way, we're going to provide free health care and free college. Oh, and by the way, we're going to legalize all the illegal aliens in the United States. Now, immigration hasn't shown up as an issue at all. It was immigration that propelled President Trump to the White House, the wall on the border and so forth. Chris Wallace, not a word about it. This last debate, not a word about it. But real in reality, immigration is the number one issue. Think about it. Think about how important immigration is. Uh, I, I just want you to, to listen to something that's really important. The 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel was prepared by attorneys and federal agents who were assigned to the 9-11, commissions, uh, 9/11 Commission, period. I provided testimony to the commission. This is how that official report begins. This is the preface which set the tone for the 9-11 Commission uh, report on terrorist travel. It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they're unable to enter the country. Yet prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, 
though agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool of the counterterrorism arsenal. Indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States, border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. We believe for reasons we discussed in the following pages that it must be made one. And it goes on. That report goes on and says... um, says this. <clears throat> Once terrorists had entered the United States, their next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. So we know <clears throat> that the visa process, the physical borders, and the way that we adjudicate applications for immigration benefits and visas are all part of our efforts to protect America against the next terror attack. How much clearer could it be? You would think it's crystal clear. No one ever raises the 9-11 Commission report. Wouldn't that be a perfect question if you're a moderator? Sir, ma'am, you want to be a senator, you want to be a member of Congress, you want to be the next president? Have you read the 9-11 Commission report? If you have, how does that report and its findings square with your proposal to legalize what could be a population well over 25 million people who snuck into the country, who came in by trespassing, interesting trespassing is dangerous ask chuck schumer he wrote a proposal for a law and put it up on his official website about five years ago where he said trespassing is dangerous he said i don't care if you're an adrenaline junkie or a criminal when you trespass on critical infrastructure or national landmarks what you're doing is dangerous you're imposing dangers and the solution is to deter that kind of behavior by creating a federal law that would call for a maximum of five years in jail for trespass he said in new york Under state law, it's only a misdemeanor with no more than a year, and most people get a couple of months if they get arrested at all. And today, folks, with bail reform, even people that are arrested are cut loose, even when they're violent thugs. Think about that. That never really came up either. I don't know why Mike Pence didn't raise the issue. He certainly won the debate. He did a good job. But I would only give him a B-. minus. This could have been an A performance. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. But the point of the matter is we know how important immigration is. We know how important borders are, especially 20 years after 9-11, close to 20 years. So they turn around and say, we're going to legalize all these people. Now, let's realize that the immigration laws used to be enforced primarily by the Labor Department prior to the Second World War. It was during the Second World War when we had these German saboteurs show up that the Roosevelt administration said, oh, wait a minute, this is national security. We better move this from labor to justice department just the way after 9-11 who was moved to the Department of Homeland Security, immigration-wise. So everyone says it's important, it's important, it's important. Put your money where your mouth is. But the labor department ran immigration because the big concern was that we wouldn't have Americans losing their jobs or suffering wage suppression because of a massive influx of foreign workers. It makes sense. When Sputnik was launched, President Eisenhower didn't say quick. Get India on the hotline. We need to get their best and brightest engineers. He said, we're going to teach American kids math and science so we can continue to lead. Try that today and see how much screaming you're going to hear. So Biden turns around and says, I'm going to create all these jobs, but at the same time, we're going to legalize what he says are 11 million, which is a total lie. (laughs) It's been 11 million in the media for the past 15 years. Uh, Universities actually believe, I think MIT did a study, they think it's about 22, 23 million. I think that was low when that study was done a couple of years ago. 
I assure you that because we don't know when these people entered the country or who they are, people will enter next year and claim they were here five years ago. There's no way of knowing. There's no way to interview these people in person, period. 25 million, 30 million, where are you going to get the interviewers? There's no way, certainly, to do field investigations. So they can lie about everything. And in an ideal world, agents go out, and they've done this as an agent. You knock on a door, you show a photo, do you know this man? Yes. What name do you know him as? Charlie Smith. How long has he lived here? Oh, he just moved in last week. Oh, he's been living here for the past 12 years. Whatever. And, and so you get some indication. Then you go to where he works, and you go to his friends, and you go to the family, and you put together a picture about how long the guy's been here. But all the adjudications officer will have to go on is whatever is on his or her computer screen and how they answer the questions. <clears throat> so they will all have the right answer to the right question. If there's a minimum of five years they have to be here, they will all have come at least five and a half years ago on paper. And you won't know if they got here five and a half years ago or five and a half weeks ago. No way to know. No resources to investigate. No resources to arrest or prosecute. Fraud will run rampantly through the system. And what did the 9-11 Commission warn about? Immigration fraud is the key issue here, you see. My very first hearing when I testified before Congress was back on May 20th, 1997, four and a half years before 9-11, because of the terror attack at the Trade Center in 93 that killed six, injured over 1,000 when they planted that bomb, inflicted a half billion in damages. And a month early, we had the shooting at the CIA by a citizen of Pakistan by the name of Kansi, killed two CIA officers, wounded three others. Immigration fraud is a big deal. So here's a program that will have no integrity, and no one even talks about it. But it gets worse. <clears throat> How do you create enough jobs for Americans if you're going to legalize, let's say, 25 million of being an optimist? And that's only the tip of the iceberg. Because what nobody talks about, this is true of the, of the really bad program that um, – Reagan gave us the amnesty of, of 1986 that was part of um, the, the Immigration Reform and Control Act, IRCA. They said, oh, a million. We wound up with almost four million. But the number you still don't know is how many children they then petitioned for because under our laws, and I agree with this law, by the way, if you're saying to someone you can live permanently in the United States, they must be able to bring their children here. <clears throat> and it's in the law. Not your brothers, not your sisters, that the whole business of chain migration has to go. But we travel in family units. You know, the way I look at it, you could reasonably expect to put that relative of yours on your health plan, then they should be able to get a green card. Who goes on your health plan? Not your brothers, not your sisters, not your cousins. It's your spouse and your minor children. Isn't that how it works? So... Let's say the average illegal alien has four children back home. The number is going to be a lot higher, but I'm being an optimist. Some families in the third world have eight, nine, 12 kids. Some men have children with multiple women. <clears throat> Again, you're going to have to get DNA testing. France does it, by the way, because they saw how much fraud ran through their immigration programs. I know we do DNA testing. And again, when the president tried to do that with the unaccompanied minors on the border, oh, my God, this is terrible. A lot of those kids coming here weren't coming with their own families. These are people lying about who they were. Some of them were, were you know, potentially trafficking in children. <clears throat> so understand what we're really talking about. This is a humanitarian crisis that the Democrats want to create. 
So let's say, again, I'm being an optimist for kids, for illegal aliens, get visas to come to America, plus they have their spouses, the other parents. But let's leave them out of the equation for the moment. What is four times 25 million? I think I've given you enough time. The answer is 100 million. 100 million. Think about that. 100 million. The Biden proposal, the Biden-Harris proposal, could enable 100 million or maybe even more minor children to immediately come to the United States. Folks, this is catastrophic. A hundred million, roughly a third of our current population, maybe more, maybe more. They would immediately have to go to school. How do the schools cope with that? Most of those kids probably won't speak English. English is a second language is expensive. Back in 2006, the Congressional Budget Office did a study, and they said it costs 20 to 40 percent more to educate children who are not English proficient. 100 million kids all going to school in the United States. What is our, how does our school system cope? Now, they're big on green, sustainability, be green. Every person in the United States needs more than a pillow to sleep on. They need water, food electricity, sewerage, access to health care, transportation, and other infrastructure, if you will. How much land do we need to grow food for 100 million people? Think about that. How much water will that take? How much energy will that take? If you're concerned about greenhouse gases, and we can have that conversation another day about my my thoughts on climate change. But if you're concerned about that, think about all the fertilizer, besides the fertilizer being spewed by the politicians. Think about the environmental footprint that every person here has. So we're talking about importing upwards of 100 million new immigrants. How is that sustainable? What will this do to inflation? that many more mouths to feed how much food do we have this is about supply and demand ladies and gentlemen america would implode it's just very simple you have parts of the country now that where they routinely have droughts where people can't water their lawns where they don't serve water with with lunch at the restaurant you have to ask for water because there's a shortage you think there's a shortage now Add one-third to our population or add 50 percent to our population god knows we don't know Talk about looking before you leap. We won't know how many of these kids have criminal histories because they could be as old as 16, 17, 18. MS-13 starts recruiting when they're 12. What would this do to America? It's game over. But no one's talking about it. Now, think about this. These young immigrants aren't going to stay young forever. They will start to age out of young and become workers. So really, we're talking about the importation of perhaps 100 million or more competing workers who are going to compete with who? Americans and lawful immigrants who are already here. So all these promises, we're going to give you better jobs, you're going to make more money, we're going to retrofit houses. Oh, and who's going to pay for that? Are they going to go to the homeowner and say, hey, Mr. Smith, your house isn't energy efficient. 
you need to do $50,000 worth of renovation. And Mr. Smith says, are you, are you crazy? I can barely pay my mortgage now. How am I going to do this? Oh, is the plan to confiscate the houses? Because there is talk, there have been many articles written, how the radical left wants to take suburbia and turn it into the land of tall buildings. Inefficient use of land. They don't want to see any grass. Grass is wasted space. We want buildings like they have in China, where people are actually living in the factories where they work. All these people screaming about slavery. You've got slave labor making the clothing that the football players wear when they take a knee. Nike and all the others have their factories there, and we know there's concentration camps in China. Why is none of this coming out? Why is none of this coming out? I hope you will go to Front Page Magazine. Please read my article, Biden's Build Back Better is Bunk. And what I want you to do, forward it to everyone. Post it on Facebook. Put it out there on social media. I want everyone to read it. And if you think I'm wrong, that's fine. Then you can explain why I'm wrong. But when you look at the numbers and when you look at what reality is, I've, I've been very careful in preparing this article. And I'd love to have your friends and neighbors and, and relatives and whomever who say to you, oh, you're crazy and Trump is nuts, read my article, give thought to what I'm saying, and come up with a coherent art, uh, comment or a coherent argument to refute what I've written. That's an interesting challenge for your friends. Read what Mike Cutler wrote. See what he had to say. And if you think he's wrong, explain how he's wrong. Explain why this makes sense. You see, what the news media did, and it started with Jimmy Carter when he said, we're no longer going to call illegal aliens illegal aliens. We're going to get rid of the word alien. It's a terrible word. The word alien isn't a terrible word, folks. It's a legal term. Used all over the world, different languages, in Spanish, extranjero, which translates to either alien or stranger. Extranjero. Okay? But the problem is it makes a clear distinction in terms of who people are. So we said we're going to call everybody who's a foreigner in that country an immigrant. So now it's easy to say you're pro-immigrant or anti-immigrant. It was brilliant on their part. And our folks just don't get it. When I say our folks, I mean those of us who are on the side of secure borders. They don't understand how to argue the issue. President Trump does, does an abysmal job, being honest. I, I doubt he's going to hear this program, but if he does, Mr. President, I respect you. I appreciate what you're trying to do. But words matter. Words matter. And it's not just about your base. It's about all Americans. Because I really believe that if all Americans had someone sit down with them and take them by the hand and say, look, understand what the problem is. You know, when we put together a party, a wedding, a graduation, a bar mitzvah, a confirmation, it's Easter dinner, Christmas dinner, Passover dinner. We like to sit down and eat. What's better than that? A good meal with people who are close to you. And the older you get, the more you realize that's all we really need. We don't need mansions and, I mean, get a crazy Nancy and all these greedy bums. More, more, more. They're in a feeding frenzy. They remind me of cancer. Cancer has an insatiable appetite for nutrients. Cancerous tumors even secrete hormones so that the tumor surrounds itself with blood vessels and it bathes in nutrients. And for a time, the cancer becomes, in a manner of speaking, the most effective organ in its victim's body, right up until the day when it kills the victims because it starves off all the other healthy tissue and the person dies. 
There are people in this world, and I don't get them. I don't understand it. I never will. Maybe they're defective. Maybe they were the kids of abused parents. I find it interesting that Bernie Sanders never talks about mommy and daddy. i got to wonder what that relationship must have been like. Every politician wants to talk about their parents, but little Bernie, oh, we can't talk about my parents. I wonder why. So they're on a rampage against Americans. I mean, that's really what this is. You know, when you get on an airplane, they tell you if the oxygen comes down, put yours on first so you can help the people around you. America needs oxygen. We're overwhelmed. We're stretched to the breaking point. And this is the time when the Democrats want to bring in 100 million more immigrants. Think about that. So you've got this issue going on with what the Democrats want. Bernie, who I think is on a rampage, and again, he's unique. He was interviewed on 60 Minutes and steadfastly refused to talk about his childhood. Every politician wants you to know about the paper route they had, the summer they worked as a lifeguard. I remember Ronald Reagan made a big deal about how many lives he had saved as a lifeguard. And we all like to look back at our childhood. Well, most of us do. So Bernie's got something going on there, I think. But maybe I'm wrong. But Bernie, I don't know about you. You know, you, you came from Brooklyn. I'm from Brooklyn. Um, but you're a strange duck. I, I don't get what you're doing. Back around 2006, in point of fact, you're the guy who said it's crazy to not enforce the immigration laws. You're going to destroy wages and jobs for Americans. You're going to kill the middle class. Bernie Sanders said that. So who got to Bernie? Who got to all of them? The hypocrisy and the way they've changed abruptly. They veered off course. Stunning. Stunning. Uh, you really have to wonder. Diane Feinstein on February 24th, 1998, was involved with the Senate hearing about foreign terrorists operating in the United States, and she came up with three suggestions that I agree with completely. I used to speak to her people all the time. And she said, first of all, we ought to reconsider the visa waiver pilot program. It was a pilot program. Now it's, of course, the visa waiver program, one of those gifts from Ronald Reagan. Uh, Again, I had issues with Reagan. I'm, I'm an equal opportunity insulter, folks. I just deal with facts. I don't care about left or right. I don't care if you're with the hopping kangaroo party. Do right by America and Americans, damn it. So she said, maybe we should do away with the visa waiver program. It's dangerous. Because they were looking at what terrorists had done in 93 and elsewhere. And then she said, you know, we shouldn't be giving visas, perhaps, to aliens who come from countries that sponsor terrorism. Sounds a lot like what, Ronald, what, the, what Donald Trump had said, doesn't it? And then she said, we certainly shouldn't be giving training in chemi- biochemistry and, and physics and so forth, because we're teaching. And she gave concrete examples of terrorists who were either educated in the United States or Great Britain who used the training to create weapons. She said we shouldn't be giving them that kind of training. And that was in 98. That was three years before 9-11. Where is she today? Who got to these people? What is going on here? When I was a kid, I saw a movie, The Invaders from Oz. If you remember, this kid has a nightmare. He wakes up and all the people in his life, his parents, the school teacher, the chief of police, they, they all have little nubs in the back of the neck that the that the Martians implanted in their heads to control their brain. I keep wanting to check the back of the necks of these damn politicians. Who got to them? Who's controlling their brain? Are they being bribed? Are they being extorted? Are they being um, threatened with, you know, we know about you? Are they being blackmailed? Who knows? But in unison, they all veered off the edge of the road. Boom, here we are. And most of the Republicans aren't all that much better. But, of course, compared to where the Democrats are, you know, I mean, understand the problem we have. Understand the problem. So that was what my article was about. 
And, and I really think that if you can get someone to sit down and read my article, just read it. It's uh, roughly 1,500 words. It'll take you, I don't know, six minutes perhaps to read, seven minutes. Ask the people that disagree with you. Just say, look, this guy Cutler, he's testified before numerous congressional hearings. I did two hearings for Sheila Jackson Lee, believe it or not. The first time was uh, the hearing about how two of the dead terrorists from 9-11, Muhammad Atta and Marwan Oshay, could have been granted authorization to attend flight school. The second hearing I did for her was supposed to be about alien smuggling, and I convinced her that we needed to look at visa fraud because, of course, that takes us back to the 9-11 Commission concerns. And she agreed that I became her witness at that hearing. So these aren't left-right issues. I just want as many Americans as possible to read my article and then have a conversation over a cup of coffee or a nice cold beer and say, where did Cutler get it wrong? And as for Mike Pence, uh, I was going to teach debate on the college level when I had the opportunity to become a federal agent. He did a little bit too much speechifying, if you know what I mean. Under this administration, President Donald Trump, and he would go on every question he went through this little preamble. The clock is ticking. You've got two minutes. And we know that you're part of the Trump administration. Get over it. And there was one question that really, well, there was a couple of questions that really nailed it for me, where he could have jumped in. And I'm thinking, there it is. And there it went. And there it went. If you remember, Kamala Harris said, um, I did a good job as, as the attorney general. We had cashless bail. Cashless. So this is where all the people are being released from jail. They're robbing and murdering and killing and stabbing and raping. <clears throat> he never talked about it. He never raised the issue of the defund police. Never raised it. But then he could have pivoted and said, and while we're talking about your hostility towards police, let's talk about sanctuary cities. And that puts us right into the ballpark, folks. Sanctuary cities in New York City and elsewhere, and ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, I always check their articles. They post press releases. Every week they list different stories about aliens who have serious criminal histories. We're talking about convictions now, not for jaywalking, not for you know urinating on the sidewalk, but for homicide, for rape, for sexual abuse of a child, firearms, armed robbery. You know, I mean, we're talking about heavy-duty crime, people dying, people getting raped, people being badly injured. And ICE comes along and says, okay, when this guy gets out of jail, he just did eight years in jail, just did ten, we'll take him. No, you won't. We're not going to let you know we're releasing him. I want someone to explain, not to me, to the American people why we should be happy they're doing this. If you think that this is reasonable, you applaud the Democrats for refusing to work with Immigration and Customs Enforcement or the Border Patrol and giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens. If you're okay with that, then you remind me of chickens in a barnyard who are having a celebration because they heard from Colonel Sanders that he's got a new recipe for fried chicken. That's how I view this. How in the world can you be happy to see politicians going against not only your best interests, but the best interests of your children and your children's children. We're going to take armed robbers and rapists and murderers and put them back out on the street because we are protecting the immigrants. 
Maybe they can get the Nobel Prize for that. Nobel Prize for stupidity and duplicity and betrayal, perhaps. Back in the late 80s, I physically deported an alien. And when I say deported, I executed a warrant of deportation that was issued by an immigration judge. The individual in question was a Panamanian by the name of Ronaldo Rayside. And Ronaldo Rayside had a green card. He had the American dream. He had what everyone around the world wants, a green card. He was on the path to citizenship, but he was a pathological criminal. Numerous arrests and convictions, drugs, weapons, that sort of thing. We deported him because of New York's policies of sanctuary. Back then, this was Ed Koch, and I thought Ed Koch was a good mayor, but for this. And this isn't a minor issue, but it got a lot worse over time. The NYPD was prohibited from notifying immigration authorities that this guy, Ronaldo Reyes, had been arrested by the cops. And each time he was arrested, when you looked at the rap sheet, he resisted arrest. And he was being arrested for serious crimes. And finally, the third time, he's encountered by a 24-year-old police officer by the name of Robert Machati. They get into a fight on a street corner. And Ronaldo Reyside reached for Machati's gun. Shots are fired. Officer Machati is killed. His wife was pregnant with a child he never got to meet. I testified at the murder trial. These aren't victimless crimes. And yet the mayors of these sanctuary cities, they don't even do it covertly. They hold news conferences. Are we great or what? We're turning these people loose on the streets. Let's have a party. Let's have a party. But if you don't wear your mask, you're going to go to jail. But if you're an illegal alien and you're raping 12-year-old girls or 8-year-old girls or, 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 or you're shooting people, hey, let's have a party. Cashless bail, and we'll make sure immigration doesn't know where you are. They basically have a witness protection program for thugs. How do you vote for people like this, folks? And by the way, if you're concerned about the damage done to the immigrant community, I know a little something about this. I was only an agent for the INS for 26 years. I was involved in the arrest of thousands of people in those 26 years. And the great majority of the time, guess who falls victim to the alien thugs? The members of the ethnic immigrant community. But we're not talking about... um, when I tell you about the members of the ethnic community, we're not just talking about people from Latin America. Please understand that. We are also talking about people from all over the world because human nature is human nature. This isn't xenophobia. <clears throat> I have a certificate from the government of Japan because I had helped them and with a woman that was wanted for smuggling major quantities of cocaine from the United States into Tokyo. I work closely with the Israeli National Police. I work with the RCMP. I work with British Customs and the and uh, New Scotland Yard. <coughs> I've arrested people from all over the world, Jamaica and Canada. You name it, I've probably arrested them from that country. Why? Because, folks, human nature is human nature. Every race, every religion, every ethnicity has the good, the bad, and the ugly. This isn't about what color skin the person has. You know, it's really what Martin Luther King had said. It's not the color of your skin, but, but the, you know, what's in your soul, what's in your heart. Who are you as a human being? And if you're a criminal, then we need to keep you out of our country. 
and we need to kick you out of our country if you manage to get here. But understand, this isn't anti-immigrant, because the same laws that tell us who to kick out and who to keep out also tell us who to admit, and we admit a million lawful immigrants every year. It's balanced. But the media comes out, and they say, well, immigration agents, they're thugs. Cuomo called us thugs. And Harris, as I remember, equated immigration agents with the Gestapo, which really warms my heart. My family was decimated in the Holocaust. I'm Jewish. Gestapo. I love it. I'm proud of the work I did. I like to think about all the lives we saved by working on the cases we worked on, all the jobs that we freed up for Americans. Because when we hear this nonsense that these illegals have to be able to drive, how could they get to work? They're not supposed to be working, okay? When I was a new agent, if an alien came here on a tourist visa and they were given six months, and a month after they arrived, I found them working in a factory, you know what we did? This is going to be a shock to everybody. You might be vibrating when you hear this, but we handcuffed them. We handcuffed them. We put them in the back of our car. We put them in an immigration detention facility. And within a couple of days, sometimes the next day, they went in front of an immigration judge, and we provided the evidence that the guy was working. We would take the time card, whatever we had, whatever evidence, present it to the judge if he agreed that it was clear that the person had worked illegally. They were deported, period. No must, no fuss, no big deal. The person would be deported. Why would he be deported? Because he violated the terms of his admission. This is basically a contract between the alien and the government of the United States. I promise that if I come to America, I won't violate the laws. I won't work without permission. And they work without permission. You're out of here. <coughs> because they were taking a job. <coughs> and don't listen to this garbage about the work Americans won't do. There's no job an American won't do and do better than anybody else as long as you provide that person with a reasonable wage. That's what we're talking about here, folks. And now you have Nancy Pelosi raising the specter of, oh, the 25th Amendment. Trump is on meds because of COVID. Maybe he's no longer fit for duty. Or maybe someone suggested this to me, and I hadn't even thought of it. Maybe this really isn't about Trump. It is a cute story for you. It really caused me to scratch my head. She said, Mike, maybe this isn't about Donald Trump. I said, are you kidding me? Nancy Pelosi wakes up in the morning, and the first thing she thinks about is, how can I screw over Donald Trump and his family? And by extension, America and Americans. Because what they're angry with him for is the things that he's done to protect our country and protect Americans and their jobs. And she said, no, 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 no. Just think about it. Maybe, just maybe... Nancy Pelosi isn't thinking about Donald Trump, but thinking about Joe Biden. What do we have to have in place so that if if Biden wins the election, we can get rid of Biden? See, Biden wants to portray himself as a moderate. He's he's a, a as big a chameleon as, as chameleon Harris, which is what I call Kamala Harris. But who knows? Here's an interesting thought: Could it be that Nancy Pelosi and the radical left? are looking at this and saying, you know, what do we do if we win the election and we're stuck with Joe Biden? And what if Joe Biden says, well, I'm the president. I'm going to, you know, do what I think is right. I mean, do what I think is right. You know, you look at all the money that his son apparently has gotten from the Ukraine and China, Russia, and all this other business. Very unsavory situation. But let's say Joe Biden says, look, 
what's my legacy going to be? That I'm going to crash America? Maybe, maybe they're worried. They, maybe you said things to them in private, you know. Well, it's just too extreme. So just a thought. Maybe I want to have this conversation with your friends and neighbors this weekend. It's thought-provoking. And it also explains why Biden is dangerous. Because just maybe the Democrats are already trying to figure out a way how to dispose of Biden if he actually wins the election. Because he's just a figurehead for them. He's just a figurehead. So imagine that possibility. God forbid he wins the election and they say, oh, wait a minute, Joe. You're not really fit. He's out. Kamala becomes the president. And the floodgates open. We're in a very perilous situation. Make no mistake about it. And what I'm telling you isn't about xenophobia. You know, back when I was in college, I was the president of a B'nai B'rith group. Those of you not familiar with the B'nai B'rith, it's a Jewish service organization. Um, we focus on religion, and I know there are many church groups that do the same thing and so forth. But it was also a service organization. We would collect money for St. Jude's Hospital, by, you know, it was at the time being run by the great Danny Thomas. What an amazing legacy he left behind. He could be a role model for people like Pelosi and Schumer and all these others that all they care about is money and power. Think about St. Jude's Hospital. So we collected money for that and so forth. And we also went to Washington when LBJ was the president, tells you how old I am, Lyndon Johnson, because there were Jews trying to get out of Russia. There were religious minorities trying to get out of Russia, and he didn't want to allow it to happen. So we went to Washington, and we demonstrated. And, in fact, Ralph Abernathy, if you remember the late Ralph Abernathy, uh, was Martin Luther King's right-hand man. He came out and read a telegram from Dr. Martin Luther King supporting our efforts to get religious minorities to leave the Soviet Union and come to America or any country that would have them. It was a proud moment. There I was in Washington. Uh, Unlike the rioting you've seen, it was a peaceful demonstration in the park right across from the White House. And then uh, a telegram was read. Those of you old enough to remember telegrams, Lyndon Johnson had sent a telegram to us commending us for what we were doing and saying that he would support our efforts and try to work a deal. I can't tell you how thrilled I was as an immigration inspector sitting in my booth at Kennedy Airport admitting refugees into the United States. These people came in. Some of them literally fell to their knees and kissed the floor of the International Arrivals Building. Some of them kissed me on the cheek. Many of them cried. I cried with them. To this day, I believe that if people are in that situation, if we can prove who they are, because that's really the big problem. We've seen too many refugees turn out to be using refugee status as, a, as camouflage because they're terrorists. Faisal Shahzad, the Times Square bomber, the Tsarnaya family got political asylum. Political asylum becomes this way of getting lawful status, and you find out afterwards that they really shouldn't have been granted political asylum. The article I wrote about Previously, this uh, Chinese-American who became a police officer was granted political asylum. Turns out his family allegedly has a close relationship with the Chinese military. Political asylum, my backside. So if we know who we're dealing with and the numbers are small enough that it's not going to destroy things for Americans, then I don't have a problem with political asylum. But that's not the case today. Time and again, we've seen terrorists posing as refugees as political asylum applicants 
And their goal is to embed themselves in, their, in this country and then carry out deadly attacks. So it's a different world. But I've never been against people coming to America legally, provided it doesn't overwhelm our capabilities. It doesn't endanger public health or public safety. By the way, going back to the debate and going back to Biden and Harris, so they want free health care for everybody, including illegal aliens, and no immigration control to speak of, decriminalization of immigration law violations. This is fertile territory that Pence should have hammered. Think about it. If you have a dangerous communicable disease and you're living in a different country and they can't or won't treat you, and it becomes well known that if you come to America, you're going to get free health care. America will, will become the magnet for people with dangerous infectious diseases. They will flood America saying, I'm sick, I'm dying, or my child is dying, my spouse is dying. We'll come to America, they'll treat us. It will overwhelm the hospitals. We will be exposing ourselves to more people with more dangerous diseases. In fact, there was an article in a science magazine just yesterday saying that there's a resurgence in scarlet fever, and this one is resistant, resists drugs and so forth. So as we see this kind of emerging threat, is this the time to take down our borders and end immigration enforcement and dangle the prospect of free health care? Biden is talking about, and Harris was talking about, oh, President Trump wants to end Obamacare and pre-existing conditions. He doesn't care about the health of the American people. Really? You care about the health of the American people? Then why in the world would you provide free health care to unlimited numbers of foreign uh, patients when this would destroy any health care system in the United States and bankrupt the system? Hospitals have gone bankrupt already because they can't afford to have people come in who can't pay for their bills. This is a prescription, pardon the pun, for a disaster, for another catastrophe. We're going to flood the hospital system that's overwhelmed already. Look at what COVID did to us. Look at the concerns we had about an overwhelmed system. So you're going to bring in more people, do nothing to remove them, and give them free health care. Why wouldn't they come here? And free college while we're at it. Why wouldn't they come here? And with no controls on the border and no immigration enforcement. I mean, as it is, really and truly, the immigration system is a classic example of failure by design because too many people are making too much money off of this industry. Immigration lawyers and corporations, you know, this is a delivery system. It delivers an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor, foreign tourists, foreign students, and for those lawyers on both sides of the aisle, an unlimited supply of clients for immigration law firms. And no one seems to give a rat's tail about what this means for America or Americans. This isn't a failed system. It's failing us, but so has our government been failing us, which is why Donald Trump was elected. Because people looked and said, my God, heads they win, tails we lose. It's got to end. And if you think the solution to illegal immigration is to provide all the illegals in the country with lawful status, this isn't about getting them out of the shadows, folks. There's no money for more agents. We only have about 6,000 ICE agents. And probably 60 or 70% of the time, they're not doing immigration work. That's ridiculous. You have, you know, 38,000 police officers in New York City, just for New York City. And here you've got 6,000 ICE agents. Effectively, you've got 2,000 ICE agents. The solution is interior enforcement. I've talked about this before. These are failures by design. 
if you believe that it makes sense to legalize millions of people as a solution, then you would believe that the solution to having a hole in the bottom of your boat is to drill more holes to let the water out. How absurd would that be? But that's exactly what Biden and Harris are proposing, a massive legalization program that in the end could cause America to have a 50% increase in its population. Even as we're concerned about unemployment and health care and education, let's really flood America. Think of what that would do to the environment, to pollution. More people stuck in bigger traffic jams. Uh, folks, this is insane. This is really a prescription for national suicide. Put it more strongly if I tried. It concerns me greatly. And it's not because I'm anti-immigrant, but I am pro-enforcement. And I could tell you as an immigration agent that the ethnic immigrant communities worked very closely with me and my colleagues. That's the reason they had me over at the Unified Intelligence Division of the Drug Enforcement Administration, using my authority as an immigration agent to cultivate cooperating witnesses and informants. They weren't intimidated into speaking to us. They were happy to speak to us because we could give them visas if they had a home run for us. My friends at the FBI, DEA, ATF, the local cops, state police, they all said the same thing. Your ability to give these people the ability to stay in the United States and work legally is a stronger incentive for cultivating informants than any amount of money that we could offer. You know, the FBI and DEA have very deep pockets, and immigration never did. I have to tell you, there were times I had to borrow credit cards from the FBI and DEA to gas up my own government credit, my own government car, because there was no money in the account. These are failures by design. Donald Trump is the first president to stand up and say this has to end. The first president to utter that magic S word that sends leaders around the world running for cover. What's the S word? Sovereignty. Sovereignty. You can't control your own destiny if you can't control your own borders. That is an irrefutable fact. And as John Adams very uh, famously reminded us, facts are stubborn things. So I, I hope that I've given you food for thought as we approach this weekend. I hope it's a good weekend for all of you, that you all stay safe and stay well. But the clock is ticking. Election day is coming. Decisions have to be made. And it's important that everyone who votes does so after carefully deliberating and thinking about what's really at stake and who is offering what. I think it's uh, important that we do this. So let's have those conversations with our friends and neighbors. And uh, let's remember that, I, as I always like to make the point, democracy is not a spectator sport. Please consider subscribing to DML News, Team DML, where I do podcasts every week. It's a subscription service, but uh, I hope you will uh, sign up. It's worth it. Uh, meanwhile, please check out my articles at Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com, and share those articles with everyone you possibly can. See you next week, folks. Have a good weekend.